I also like to buy businesses that I, um, it's called, I call it BRRT. I want to buy boring businesses and recession resistant asset classes, raise their prices and add technology. And with this um, property management type of business, they're very boring and they're recession resistant. You can raise prices and you can add technology super easily. So I kind of like to play that game. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars listeners, this is Aaron Amuchastegui, and I want to introduce you to our newest sponsor of our show. You know, go listen to episode 1119, where I interviewed Amy Stockberger, and during the interview, she told me about this wild VIP program that she does that really helps generate referral business. So she calls it the copy and paste formula to implement and monetize your VIP club. Now she's selling a course all about it. This course will show you how to make the ultimate shift from feeling overwhelmed and frustrated to feeling empowered and motivated with copy and paste tools that are seamless to implement. While I was interviewing her, I was writing down the names of so many people that I know in my network that need to implement this right away. A few of you listeners actually called you and said, hey, you guys should be doing something like this. That was before I realized she had a whole course that she's trying to build out here. You know, if you sign up for a course, you're going to experience a steady stream of high quality leads, turn all your clients into referring machines and add additional streams of revenue. By the end of this course, you're going to have learned the game changing value of how lifetime lead strategy equips you for business buying, applied an easy copy and paste roadmap and monetize your VIP club. Stop giving away your commission in exchange for high referral fees, add or increase your transaction fee. It lays the groundwork for adding an additional six figure revenue stream. I was so impressed with the systems that she's doing. So simple and easy. Hey, you know, I've seen people do this before, but she's doing everything. How about having a moving van that has your name on the side of it and anybody that uses your services gets to use that for free in the future. You're not just providing a value to your customers, but you're also advertising everywhere throughout town while they're using your services. What about a bounce house for your kid's birthday party? She has those as part of the package. What about the heaters if you're trying to throw a party outside and it's a little bit cold? She has those. They're all personally branded, so people are using your stuff. It's a value for them, and they're advertising you as an agent. I think the process is really, really brilliant. So here's the URL if you want to go check it out. www.startyourvipclub.com. And by being a Real Estate Rockstars listener, they have a special code for $200 off. Here's that code, R-E-R-S-V-I-P. Go to startyourvipclub.com, R-E-R-S-V-I-P. Go check it out. Or go listen, episode 1119, and learn more about it. Hey, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. Today, I get to interview Cody Sanchez. Cody with Contrarian Thinking. The um, yeah, Hopefully, I introduced her. She's got a million businesses. I, it's funny. So Cody's coming to our mastermind in, in March. Cody's a buddy of mine. We've been hanging out for years, and we have both had these pretty epic journeys the last few years. And the, she's another person out there that is just such a go-getter. A few years ago, she decided like she was going to make a slight shift and like she was doing VC stuff and she was a journalist. And then she's like, hey, I'm going to try a newsletter. And I remember reading some of the first newsletters she was writing out. She's like, this is kind of fun. I want to see how big I can get this newsletter. And she was able to build this like big newsletter business. And then now it's created all these other like masterminds and groups and helping people buy businesses. And she's just always a fascinating person to talk to. Her and I have been talking about like this fun business idea and we just said like, why don't we just record it? Like we're doing some conversations this week. We're doing some meetings this week, but why don't we just let everybody in on the conversation that her and I are having with each other as we're trying to brainstorm through what to do. So Cody, I know that's a very long winded uh, intro. But like, what no. else should people know about you before we start digging in uh, to our topics? Well, I think the cool part about both you and I, at least from my perspective, I think it's cool, is that, uh, you know, we talk about stuff on the internet. We have, you know, podcasts or I have a YouTube channel and, you know, lots of followers and all that jazz, but we actually do the thing that we're talking about all the time. And so if you went and introduced yourself to somebody, I'm pretty positive because I've been with you many times. You don't say, I'm a podcaster. You're like, 
I'm a real estate investor, you know, or right. I'm an investor. And I'm the same way. I've always said, no, I'm an investor. I'm in private equity. I'm in finance. And then, oh, by the way, happen to have 3 million people on the internet that interact with my stuff around buying board businesses. And so, you know, one of the reasons I think this conversation might be interesting for people today is because um, a lot of times the stuff that you see on social media or the stuff you see people talking about is not what they're doing real time. It's sort of this like shiny version of it. And so, you know, I called up Aaron, I don't know, well, actually I do know, it was like 27 days ago because I have 60 days I want to do this in. It was 27 days ago. And I was like, Aaron, I want to buy a property management business for short-term rentals. And I was like, I own a few property management businesses for Airbnbs, not giant ones, but um, decent sized. And I want to buy one in short-term rentals um, because uh, it. I like how this sort of type of business would perform in a recessionary environment. And I think we could pick up a bunch of houses as people are divesting them. I like the data play here. And so let's try to do it and let's do it in 60 days and let's try to do it with creative financing so that people could like follow along. Uh, meaning like anybody could buy a business if you have millions of dollars, but could we do it more creatively than that? And because you're you, you're like, yeah, I have 472 things to do, but let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's add this to the list. I loved that conversation because first we have the conversation and what I've been, what I've loved at seeing with some of the other co the content and the training that you're doing is showing people how to buy small businesses without putting money down because yeah. that's not my world. My world is like raising money, finding partners. We, I've bought a lot of businesses, but I've bought a lot of businesses where we buy the person out and they're out of the equation. And you've been showing people how you could buy businesses the same size of the business that I'm buying, but not actually pay them anything at the beginning. And like, so here's a concept, right? Somebody owns a plumbing company. They're making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Now they want to retire. They're too old to work anymore. Normally they would just retire, shut down the company. They go from making a hundred thousand dollars a year to zero. And, but there's a value in that hundred thousand dollars a year. And you're teaching people how to go to them and say, Hey, why don't we buy this from you and we're still going to pay you that $100,000 a year for X amount of years. Or we'll pay you 50 for, because so many times that transaction is like, hey, it's better than nothing or, or whatever. You know, I don't know enough about it to speak. But what I love about it is you're able to do you yourself, right? Like you teach people, but you've been buying businesses yourself. You've been buying a lot of businesses yourself the last couple of years, not putting any money down. And so being able to try to do that in a real estate related business is also a fun new challenge because it's like, hey, can it be done? and how, and what sort of concepts make it easy to do. Easy is the wrong word, but there, when it comes to single family rentals, there are a lot of uh, mom and pop places that manage 10 or 20 rentals. You know, we self manage five or 600 with an office of mine. And, and it's also not easy. Like it's the toughest part of my business is going through and doing that sort of thing. But I know there's this point where a prop property management is profitable, is super profitable, is where you get to use these systems because it's a very repetitive business too. So it's an exciting one to say like, hey, this is a repetitive business, has the ability to scale and use technology. I also think it's one that's pretty, even though there's been a lot of people that got into the single family space the last few years, like Blackstone, like all, American Homes for Rent, all the big companies that came in, yep. they've kind of put some technology and stuff behind it. But even so, it's still a pretty antiquated, antiquated business where so much of the stuff is still the way it was done. A lot of stuff that's done today, the same way it was done 10 years ago. We, there's a property manager nearby here that they still, in order to show property, you still go to their address, you give them your driver's license, they give you a key. And then you go drive to the property, look at it yourself, and you come back and you give them the key back for your driver's license. That's that limits them to make sure that they can only like service properties within, let's say, a 10-minute drive from their office. Because they can't have a house an hour away and someone's going to come borrow the key and do it. So there's still stuff like that happening. These guys have like 400 houses. So, oh, it's, yeah. so, what do you, so I guess what does that make you think about when it comes well, to I technology think, or real estate? Yeah, I mean, one of my beliefs is that uh, when I think about boring businesses, I like buying them outright. I like doing that transaction with that plumber that you talked about where I get to say, hey, uh, instead of you getting zero, what if you get $100,000 and we pay you over the course of three years or maybe we give you $300,000 over the course of three years from the profits of the business and you're happy, I'm happy, and your customers are happy. You've built a legacy. It doesn't just get wound down overnight. That's crazy town. And so that is called seller financing, which we talk a lot about at, at Contrarian Thinking and how to get business owners to see the value in that. And there's lots of benefit to the owner, like better taxation. If they don't take a big lump sum, they get an annuity 
annuitized um, payment, all that's super interesting. But the part that I think is even more interesting today is how do we apply systems, processes, and technology to businesses that used to be owned by boomers. And so property management's a perfect example. Basically, um, I partnered with this, this guy, Peter, um, and, and basically when he, when we looked to invest in his business, he ran about $2 million in revenue, um, in his property management business. They did about, they have about 600 houses and, um, and his property management business. What was so interesting to me is I was like, he's like, yeah, I can't talk for the next two weeks or something. I'm like, Oh gosh, must be slammed. Like that doesn't sound great. And he gets back from two weeks and he's like, Oh yeah, sorry. I was on vacation. I like to take a month off every year where I don't engage at all with the business, make sure everything's rolling. I'm like, can we rewind that for a You're second? You're like, wait, you don't yeah. vacation? I'm like, you go on a vacation for, I don't even do that, you know? And I think yeah. I have a bigger business than that. I'm like, how do you go away for a month with no engagement in your business? And he, Peter's a nerd. And so like former Eagle Scout systems engineer, he put together all these systems and processes and using technology so that his property management business runs like he would an engineering team. He just, he doesn't have the old bias that boomers have to, hard keys and two files and two, you know, um, to wet signatures as opposed to DocuSigns. He just doesn't have it. His is the exact opposite frame. And so when I saw this from Peter, I was like, oh, wait a second. I want to steal more of your processes and I want to apply them to a bunch of property management companies and I want to buy them and I want to roll them up. And then because we have an efficient model, I want to sell those businesses, um, which is what we do in private equity. And you see this happen with so many industries, but not really yet property management in short-term rentals to a big degree because they're just so disaggregated to your point. And so anyway, so I was like, all right, I'm going to start a website like Cody loves property management. I think that is mm -hmm. what it's called too. And on it, I'm just going to start putting all the documentation and stuff that Peter, you know, starts giving me, like, what are all your ideas and processes? And I'm going to see if we could like create enough of a book for you to take the ideas that you apply in your property management company and put them in mine. And so, so that's kind of where this started. And I think your point is exactly right. Every time I see a fax machine in a business, and I have an operator that can turn that fax machine into new technology, I get excited. And I see a lot of fax machines or a lot of hard keys in property management. And then the key is you and I are having a meeting about this yesterday with three of them. We, I don't want to run a property management company. You don't want to run another property management company, right? And so now right. the next step is if we think you know, property management multiples are astounding. Like what you can sell a property management company for once you get it up to two to $5 million and you can take that and sell it to a bigger 20 to 30 to $50 million property management company is pretty nice. And then you and I are cash flow junkies. So maybe we just like the cash flow coming in at some point if we can stabilize the business. But the part that I think is really interesting is if you get an operator in there, then you're not the one running it. And that's what I'm most interested in at, at my stage. So tomorrow, why don't you tell them what we're doing tomorrow? Yeah. So the, well, tomorrow we're finally interviewing some of those people because I don't like doing property management. You don't like doing property management, but some people love it. Yeah. Some people want to do it. Some people want to grow it and they, they like love doing the ins and outs of it. And they go like, yes, they understand the recessionary proof part of it. They understand that as the, as, as we can't do all these transactions day to day, what are some of those businesses that are going to be there no matter what? And like, so for property managers, if they, if they have a thousand houses they manage and now 900 are occupied instead of a thousand, their income goes down slightly, right? It's, it's down 10%, but they are not going to zero. They can easily make adjustments for, that's like a recessionary proof business where you're not going to go to zero. You can make slight adjustments in your overhead or slight adjustments to your operating and still be in there. So tomorrow you're coming over to my office. We're going to, and we're going to record so much of this that depending on when this comes out, it'll be available afterward or not. We're going to be interviewing some of the people that really, really like this business. They really, really want to do this business because the goal is find an operator, find somebody that can run this new business for us that we, that we know a little bit about and have some experience in, but we really, it's not our heart. And then also that can help us go acquire and find some of these other businesses. I love when you talk about to the, um, so like in software, software was the first time I started to learn about, uh, multiples of how much a business is worth. And I remember somebody saying like, Hey, you can sell it for seven times earnings. Once you're making over $2 million a year, 
But if you're only making like, but if you're making less than that, you can only sell it for like one to two times earnings. And I thought, huh, but what if we like take a bunch of small companies? So the first way we got into this is I started buying small companies that would make like $100,000 a year. And I would add them to my other foreclosure software business. It's like, oh, they're a direct competitor. We can buy them. We'll bring them in. And now instead of making $200,000 a year for our company, now we make $300,000 a year. And then we keep doing that. And you keep buying all these companies for like their one-year revenue. So in theory, you could spend $2 million. All right. And on this podcast, we talk big numbers and stuff. But it's like investors, it's partners, however we do it. Like I started all this with $0 myself, right? But then you can buy all these companies. And so let's say you buy 20 companies for $100,000 each. But now together, they're worth $10 million because you hit that. So I think the theory and the hope here is that property management can be the same. If we're going to go find a property manager that has like 10 or 20 houses, right? And they're, so their income on that property manager income is usually 5% of rents, sometimes 10% of rents, but let's say 5% is a pretty average number. So if they collect a thousand dollars in rent for you a month, they get like 50 bucks. And if they've got 10 houses, they get like 500 bucks. And if they've got a hundred houses, they get 5,000 bucks. It's not giant amounts of money and for the work. But when you start to get up even high and maybe one of those people, you're like, Hey, you're only making $50,000 a year. What if you could quit today and we give you 50,000 bucks? And they're like, yeah, this business sucks. I don't want that anymore. But then we add them to part of our group and then we add it and then we have 10 more of those. And all of a sudden we've got a bunch of those small ones that are hitting. So like, that's kind of that idea of conglomeration you're talking about, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, and the other thing that I think is interesting about that is most small businesses are underpriced. So there's a lot of price inelasticity that happens, meaning basically, you know, if you own, let's say Aaron has five rentals, right? And those five rentals that you own, you have somebody else property manage them. And right now they're only charging you 5%, but they say, you know what, due to inflation and what's happening in the market, we're going to actually have to increase that to 7%. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to really probably change for a couple extra bucks added to your five houses, right? You're like, whatever, they're good. They do it on time. That's awesome. I get the rent checks. Fine. Whatever. See you later. Bye. And most small businesses do not do that. You should probably be increasing your prices every single year, but they don't. And so, um, you know, one of the things, there's like three ways to make more money in a business, right? One is increase your prices. Two is sell more things to the customers that you already have, aka if we have this property management business, Peter's business also owns a handyman business, right? So all of the outsourced work that comes from owning properties, he owns that. Uh, and so he takes a cut of that business. And then in markets where he doesn't own the, the handyman, he takes a cut of the handyman fees, right? So like, okay, the handyman charges you 50 bucks. I add an extra five bucks onto that. I take that extra uh, amount. Um, and, and then the third way to increase it, and there's more than this, but these are the three ways that I like to do it, is uh, by adding more uh, businesses through acquisition. So I think, you know, like just like you said, one plus one can equal five if you break above the price that people actually pay for your for your asset. And so that's the idea with property management. The other reason I like property management is it doesn't cost, there's no CapEx. It doesn't cost a lot to start, right? It's sweaty and you have to have expertise, but you don't need a million bucks to go do a bunch of software dev, right? You don't even need a hundred K. Yeah. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui, and I'm interrupting myself to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time, and when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Brivity, Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used LineDesk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow-Up Boss gives you the most integrations mm -hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. 
I do like follow-up box better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race of follow up boss. Purely objective. Follow up boss has been the best one that we've found. Now, I've used follow up boss. We've actually used it in our non real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, you get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial, and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. You, just, you can just try something. What I like, one of my favorites is like that raising, raising the price things. So you buy a property, you, you, you find anybody in business. You know, when was the last time you changed your prices? And they said never. So for real estate people out there, like we, we talk about cap rates all the time. And here's a, here's a, like a very simple one is if, if a house rents for $1,400 a month, then it's probably, it could be worth 140, a direct multiple of the rent, whether it's an apartment, a house, a commercial, there's so much value in a direct multiple of a rent. Now there's, there's, if it gets to a really big house or really big neighborhoods, people don't care about multiples. They care about something else, but like an average hundred, you know, $150,000 house, it's a multiple. So if it rents for 1400, it's worth 140,000. But if we increase the rent on that tenant by hundred dollars, we say, Hey, now you're paying $1,500. It's cheaper for them to do that than move because moving is going to cost them more than 1200 bucks for the year. But now the house is instantly worth 150. So you gain $10,000 in value, even though you're only collecting $1,000 more that year. And even though your profit only goes up $500 more that year. So it's the same with property management when you're saying, Hey, we're going to charge you 60 bucks instead of 50. They're like, okay, I don't want to, that's not worth changing. That's not a huge change in my life, but you do it to 10 houses. And so instead of bringing in $50,000 in, uh, you know, an in income for the property manager, now you're bringing in 60,000 for the property manager. But now if your company was worth, you know, 500 because of that. Now it's worth 600. If it was worth 5 million because of that, now it's worth 6 million. So there's lots of ways that people can do that. Let me ask you this. When you go to buy businesses like, um, like this or like any of those other ones in real estate, if we're going to buy an asset, a lot of times we're like, we want to make sure everything's perfect. Like do inspections. We want to make sure the house is great. We want to make sure the income's great. Would you rather buy a perfect company? that like everything's working great or one that you're like, whoa, they haven't raised prices in a long time. There's a lot I can fix here. For your first deal, I prefer perfect, which is I think probably similar to you in real estate. Like I, I don't think that I have ever seen a real estate job uh, that was going to be construction, like a flip come in cheaper than you thought it was going to be and faster than you thought it was going to be. Like yeah. that doesn't really happen. And so it's the same with buying businesses. So when I go to buy a business, if I'm going to do my very first deal, I prefer that the deal's really clean. It's like, oh, this is a nice, now if they haven't raised the prices, that's okay. But I want to really like understand the financials. I want there to not be a bunch of hair on the deal. Like, ooh, I don't really understand what this equipment is worth or it's super old or they're not making money. That would be a bad deal. Um, but what would be a good deal is like, huh, you know, they're making money. It's a reasonable valuation. The financials are pretty clean, meaning I can understand them. And you know, the business has been around for a while, so it's pretty steady. It's, it's a beneficiary of the Lindy effect, which basically means if it's been around for a while, it has a higher likelihood to continue to be around for a while. Startups, obviously a lot more volatile, right? And so, um, so that's how I like to think about them. Now in this vein, I typically, if I was gonna start out in property management, um, I would probably start the business as opposed to buy a property management business because they're hard to find. So like finding property management businesses that you can buy, um, they're not as easily listed. They're very mom and pop-y. Um, you need to, and the ones that like make enough money are pretty, are bigger. So you're going to have some competition. I would probably start a property management company. And if you do, or if you have a property management company that you want to sell, harass Aaron and I, because we want to buy them. Um, yeah. But uh, I would probably start it because especially if it was my first business, so little money that you need to start this kind of business. And um, 
like, I also like to buy businesses that I, uh, it's called, I call it BRRT. I want to buy boring businesses and recession resistant asset classes, raise their prices and add technology. And with this um, property management type of business, they're very boring and they're recession resistant. You can raise prices and you can add technology super easily. So I kind of like to play that game. Today though, I think um, I think the interesting part for us is you want to use your unfair advantage, right? So if we are going to be able to say that we're going to go aggregate a bunch of companies, then when I went and bought these smaller property management firms, there's two ways to go. If we want to use a bunch of our cash, we might say, hey, here's a multiple. We want to buy it at a discount because it's a small company uh, or you're not going to get much for it. Cash, see you later, buy, probably have some like milestones or earnouts on top of it to make sure they don't, you know, a bunch of their clients don't leave, the doors don't go out, out the door with them. And also, you know, they, the financials were real. So we could have some, you know, it's called callers, some things to make sure that the business is what, it, what we think it is. And that might be a really clean way to do it. But if we're going to aggregate a bunch, I think what we'd probably say to some of these um, property management companies is, hey, if we're going to buy your business for some amount of money down, skin in the game, but not a ton, then we're going to actually let you keep a little bit of equity in the business. And if we hit you know, these amounts, you get a payout that's commensurate with those amounts. And we're planning on growing this business to X and Y and Z. And so that'd be a way you could you could buy businesses without actually much money at all because you'd say, we're aggregating a ton of them. The value will inherently be there. So let us buy you for a smaller amount down because you're going to have some more on the upside later. And so it's, it's a balance between the two. Do they want cheaper but money now? Do they want a little bit more expensive but money later? Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there was like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of friendships that came from that, of referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman and we all did an Ironman together in, in North Carolina last month and we had never even met before the podcast live so the it was it's, it's been such such a cool experience the i would love it for you guys to come today's march 6 through 8 the signups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind we also have a room block set up it's three days downtown austin great really cool hotel really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it and we're going to get a chance to i can't wait to meet you guys i can't wait for you to meet other listeners i can't wait for you to develop these new interactions and really what we're teaching yeah last year was like how do you make a business better but the market was just starting to turn and i was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it when it was happening now it has turned and this time we're gonna be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next so uh, again i hope you signed up for the mastermind sorry for such the long advertisement but i can't wait to meet you ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind Yeah. And real estate, we talk about that, like my price, your terms or your terms, like the idea of, yeah, I can pay you more if I can pay you over 40 years instead of 30. Um, yeah. But if we want it today, here's what we're looking at. So there's lots of different kind of scenarios that we can funnel through. Something else that's really cool about property management in this business in particular is a lot of time when you buy a business, you buy a plumbing business, you are going, the, the owner is leaving, but you're keeping his employees and you're keeping his tools and you're keeping his trucks and you're getting his clients. Um, but with property manager, you have two choices. We could say, hey, you've got a really awesome outfit and these four people working here, they're doing so good. I bet they could handle 2000 more houses in this area. So we're gonna, you could buy the whole company. And that's, and that's like buying the good company, you keep it inside. Or we can go to those property managers and say, which is really common in property management, we just wanna buy your book. What's that mean? That's, that's going to somebody and saying, we just wanna buy your customers. 
Property managers, like it or not, have really, really strong contracts. I got stuck with a bad property manager recently. And when I fired him, the contract was like, well, you still owe him like another eight months of management fees, even though, and I was like, what? But that's the reality is you could buy this company and you just get all the houses. So you can get the revenue without getting their expenses. So in the idea where Cody already has a, a guy in an area, they've got, let's say, 400 houses in an area. We go to another property manager in the same city and say, hey, we want to buy your book, but you're just going to sign us over your 100 customers. You're, we're not going to take your employees, any of your stuff that's wrong. You're going to sign us over to yours. You're now going to quit the business because you're retiring. And the and now we get we get pure top-line revenue added. It's quicker and easier than going and finding a hundred random people that are new investors to say like, Hey, come use us for property management. Come use us for property management. It's like conglomerating. So it gives, so there's not only the option of like buy cash versus seller finance, but it's like, we're buying a business or we're buying a, a customer. And I, I really love the idea about being able to buy customers. Like you go to the mom and pop that's only doing 10 or 20 deals. You know, they're like, hey, I'm not, you know, they're making X amount of dollars on it where it's like a quick, easy thing of like, hey, let's just give you some cash. You're going to sign these over to us. You don't have to deal with it. I feel like we could go to like the courthouse and find, a, you know, the most common evictions and find like the property manager that's doing like four evictions this month and be like, hey, this this business sucks. The uh, Do you want to just sell us your stuff? And that like, you catch them on a month where they're like, yeah, we're working way too hard for our money this month. That's such a good idea. I've never done that in that, in this space. I've done asset purchases, which is like a little bit similar. So like we one time had a company where we had uh, individuals basically doing this one manual part of the, the company's process. And I was like, we're spending $2 million. It was a bigger business. We're spending $2 million a year on these individuals doing this process. And I was like, there has to be machines that can do this. And lo and behold, there's a machine that is about $700,000. And we would need two of them to replace the $2 million, which is still better, $1.4 mil. But I was like, huh, I wonder if there's any like companies that bought two of these for you know 1.4 mil full price and are just struggling. And yeah. I don't want to buy anything else in the company, but I want to acquire those two things. And so I'm going to, I'm going to buy the company based on basically what its revenue is, which is not very good or what its profits is, but I'm going to get these two machines. And that's what we ended up doing. And I think we bought them for like 500 K, but, but that was because the business wasn't really thinking that way. They were like, well, nobody really wants these. And we onboarded them. So I really like that client acquisition idea. And I have to assume as people get more evictions and there will be more issues with rent collection, potentially in a recessionary environment, people will be more open to selling perhaps too, because rents have kind of been going like this up until now, right? Yeah. It used to be property management was an easy business during COVID. So 2020, all of our properties, we were hundred percent occupied at annual renewal time, we could raise rents like 15 or 20% and everybody said, yes, please. I just remember looking at it going, wow, we're 100% occupied. We've never been 100% occupied. We're, we're a 98% collection rate. This is crazy. And so we had this easy period of time and now it's not. Now we're you know 90% occupied across our stuff and we're having to work a little bit harder and we're having to answer the phone. You know, midway through 2020, we set up a thing on our incoming phone call that it couldn't actually get to the office. It was like I pushed this button for this question, this button for this question, and everything got answered automated. Why? But if they wanted to talk to a person, impossible. If they wanted to look for our office address, impossible. Why? Because there was such a long list of people wanting to rent anyway. It's like if they would jump through the hoops and like apply, then we knew we got somebody good and it made it so much easy. And now, like my team, I'm like, you have to answer every call. You have to answer every call. We have to call people back. We have to talk them into our houses because there's eight houses on the same street. So I think there are plenty of people that do this business, mom and pops that are trying to self-manage five or 10 themselves that are going to be like, hey, I finally want to use a property manager because this is harder. Or property management companies that were doing it because they thought it was going to grow into another business and they've realized um, that it's kind of hard. And it's the, and yeah, and it's unique in the sense where it's like, maybe some of them are still doing it because they don't want to, they're like, well, I can't let this person down. But if somebody came in and said, "Hey, we'll take those three, we'll take those three clients off you, and you can and you can do something else," I think it adds to that. I was touring a property last week for a, a land deal that I was gonna buy, and now I'm not going to. Another story for later. But I invested some money in this land deal. Um, I got the subdividing done, but now the market has changed. But when I went into this warehouse, they have a, they have um, all these giant like plastic molding injection machines that are like 
40 feet long where they can make like crazy stuff with this like plastic molding injections, stuff that I don't really understand or comprehend. But I was thinking about that as you're talking about the equipment as I'm walking through there, like there's some serious equipment in there that to the right buyer probably has a ton of value. I just have no idea that, you know, for, for me, it's not, wasn't my thing, but, but yeah, I think that, I think that there's lots of opportunities. And then in real estate, we would do it. We would go and say like, Hey, uh, a house that's been, that someone's been evicted, like that becomes a lead for us to say, Hey, do you want to sell your house? Right? So now those leads can be the, Hey, do you want to do the property management? Or we could even have a team go through and look at all the houses that are for rent on the market somewhere. And say, yeah. like, hey, this one's been on the market for six months. Like, do they have a lot of listings? Maybe we ask that property manager, you know, if they have, you know, if they're liking their business or not, or 100%. if they have any interest in selling. Well, and then what I've realized too, I think the reason why you and I create content is we just have a megaphone. So I put out a, I think it's also at CodyLovesPropertyManagement.com, but I put out a thing that basically says, you know, if you're an operator in a business and, or if you are wanting to sell your business, uh, come to this thing, submit your email, and uh, I will get uh, a notification. And so we did that for operators for our property management company. And what do we end up getting? I don't know if I ever sent you the full list, but I think it was like 25 property management operators. I did not that- see all. I just went to your website. I just wanted to make serious. So yeah, Cody loves property management.com. Oh, yeah. Hey. That's funny. Um, I love it. I haven't actually owned this big picture of my face on it. You're like, um, I haven't actually this is, uh, So basically they click into this and then they get this um, option where uh, if they want to run a property management company for us, they tell us all about themselves. And I thought, gosh, it might be kind of hard to find really good operators. It's hard to replicate Peter. He's really good. And that's why I like people to learn from him. Um and, but then lo and behold, I realized like there are 25 people that have all run property management companies that are in this, you know, database that would want to come work at our companies. And so um, I think the same thing would be true if we just started putting out there, we're buying property management companies. I believe we have five companies that are also in that spreadsheet that I sent you that all potentially want to sell um, us their property management companies. Um, but the, 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 I think the hardest part for some of this is just, and I'm sure you feel the same. We're feeling it out right now. You guys are hearing it live, but like, okay, what does a deal look like for us? Maybe a deal for us because you already have all these houses and we figure out how to create like an amalgamation company. A good deal looks like we only buy clients, uh, from property management companies. So we will buy your doors. We don't want the company. We don't want anything else. We want you to transfer the contracts to us. And we buy your doors at X multiple of profit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more specific that we can get with our deal, then the easier the job comes of reviewing all of it. You, you obviously know this already, but for people out there, I think a lot of the stuff that stops them from doing this is they're like, what kind of company do I want to buy? What kind of property management company do I want to buy? What size? Like, um, you know, where's it located? And so the more we can narrow it down, then it becomes really easy for us to say, oh, okay, you're located in the Southwest. You have this many doors. Uh, we only buy your actual doors. We bolt it onto our company right here. Unless you're doing 2 million plus in revenue and you have great systems and processes, in which case we might buy the overarching business. And so we're, we're figuring that out as we speak, but getting that deal box down will just help us so much execute deals really quickly. And also it'll mean you and I don't have to look at every single deal, which as you get bigger and bigger and you invest more and more, maybe like Aaron and I do, um, it's hard to look at every, like you just don't have the time. You, yeah. you have to be able to hand it off to somebody a little bit more junior than you. Yeah, I think that truly is our next step, right? Cause we're breaking this up in this stage. What I loved about the first conversation you and I, you called me 27 days ago. We talked on the phone for an hour and you sent me an email of like the 19 things that we're going to be doing over the next week. And then our next call to hold each other accountable for it. And you had this like big list and you were like, so you launched the website and you get the people, you know, coming in. But I think that next step right now is the deal parameters. Because the way I was able to buy a thousand houses, right, is I knew the that I was going to have every house I was going to buy, I was going to do a minimum of 10% profit. And so we would look at the house, we would see how much it's going to cost, we would know how much our commission is going to be, we'd take the cost of the construction, and that would tell us if we're going to sell it for X, we can only offer Y. Yeah. And then we would go make 10,000 bids to buy a thousand houses or 20,000 bids to buy a thousand houses. But we had these parameters that we said like, here's our offer price. And sometimes we got outbid because someone else would pay more. And so if we know, I know there's a gazillion property management companies out there, but if we can actually dial in our parameters and go, this is what we want for ours. 
you know, up to this size, like, just like you said, we'll pay this. Cause I was trying to do like just some searching, like, Hey, what are property management companies selling for, you know, as the multiples. And it is so much of like these smaller ones. There isn't really a lot of detail on it. If any of you guys listening, like have done a bunch of acquisitions with property managers, or you know, like what a going rate is, or you saw one sell the reach out to us too. We'd love to you know figure that out as we're dialing this in, because I want to, I want to say it's probably something like if you're buying the doors, you're buying a hundred doors that a th- that were a thousand dollars a month. Let's say that's our random guess that they were bringing in five thousand dollars a month in property management revenue, fifty thousand dollars a year, which is probably not very profitable if they have if they're paying one person to manage it. It's like a break even business. Yeah. So maybe that's something where we can buy it for like one to two, you know, fifty to hundred thousand, and we have the option of hey, it's it's either fifty thousand dollars up front. Or it's a hundred thousand dollars over five years, or something like that. You know, so as we work that in, so I think we really need to crank out those numbers because then that is the key to scale, yeah. uh, scaling anything is going to yeah, this category. Because the the theory, the reason software is awesome, is with software you can have like whatever your expenses are to build the software. It doesn't really go up whether you have a hundred subscribers or a thousand subscribers or ten thousand subscribers. So that's why software companies do so good because then you get to the point. Like Elon just showed it by cutting like 80% of his workforce or whatever and revenue stayed the same. Like you can actually do more work with less people. So part, I think the big value of property management company is that it's finding the one, the established businesses where the business actually does good, but then just clamping on as many assets as you can because 10 people that can do a hundred houses can easily do 150 without any extra effort. 100%. Like it's not 50% more effort for 50% more money. It's like 3% more effort for 50% more money. And then it's yeah. figuring out how big can you actually, you know, get it before you need extra people strapped on. Yeah. The one like other superpower I think we have here that, you know, people will want in some degree is like, if you haven't managed houses like Aaron has before, or if you haven't invested in the companies like I have before, or even for me, I would still need it is I needed, I needed a Peter. I needed somebody who could tell me what's like bullshit or not in the like, you know, industry. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that will be one of our superpowers is we'll basically be like, okay. Um, I don't know, Mary, who's going to run our property management company. And who's going to like probably do a first sort of look at, at deals that come through, just looking at the financials once we give them the deal box in particular. Um, you have a conversation with Peter every week. And every week on Friday, you go through the numbers and he builds the KPI dashboard that is specific for his business that runs his stuff so efficiently. And he just notifies us. This is off. This is off. And he kind of like reports, you know reports into them for us. And that's another thing I like to have is a sector specific specialist because, you know, I mean, you know, real estate way more than I do, but the only reason I've been able to buy so many different types of businesses is because I go to experts every single time and figure out a way to partner with them or have them do something with us. So I think, I think that's, that's pretty key. But as far as valuations, I think, I think you're spot on. I think it's one to three X, just like any other small business from all the deals I've seen. It's one to three X profits. And in the case that there is no profits, we could probably start doing deals if they're really small for, you know, let's say that they only do $50,000 in revenue that year, but we have a calculation where we know what that 50,000 can be to our bottom line, we pay one to three X what that business will be to us coming on board under our umbrella ecosystem. So, I mean, nobody's obviously going to sell us their business for $0 typically and no potential pay of anything. Um, But that's at least what I've seen in the space. So yeah, I'm curious to see what happens. I mean, I guess my, I have a question for you too, is one thing that's always important to me is like, what's a bad outcome? Like I always think about before I do deals, what would be terrible if Aaron and I get all excited because we do that sometimes about doing businesses and doing deals and like, oh Lord, whoops, this happened. Because I think sometimes if you set your negative goals, it helps for your anti-goals. It helps you figure out what the real goals are to the business. So what, when you look at this, would you be like, let's make sure we don't do this? Dude, that's such a fun question to ask. Such a great, like we don't ask that often enough. That's like, that's like doing a prenup, right? Like people are like, no, I don't want to get a prenup. We're going to stay like, it's going to be married forever. You're like, well, what if, what if shit hits the fan? You never know. Like, cause it's that other side of it. Like the perfect scenario is we buy, I remember the the software company, one of our competitors that we bought, their revenue was a hundred thousand dollars a year, but they had a hundred thousand dollars a year in expenses. So they weren't making any money. 
So I bought him for a hundred thousand dollars, but the but I was able to buy all of his revenue and none of his none of his expenses. So my profit went up a hundred thousand dollars that year. So he had no profit. Now I had profit by bolting it on. So that's the exciting part. But then, like, so what's the side where you're like, man, we screwed that up? I think the I think maybe some parameters too as we go in at the beginning and go. So this is how much that we're like hoping to like willing to invest up front. Yep. And like because one bad thing that happens in um, in business is you say, I have allotted $200,000 for this investment. And then you have to put in 400,000 because of something else. And I think that's a bad, that that's like a worst case is if, because when you have to start like spending additional money to fix something, like everything is about risk reward and everything mm-hmm. is about like the resources I have today and that, and that possible outcome. And it's that concept of can we buy a whole bunch of businesses at like one to three times earnings and get it giant enough that we could sell it for seven times earnings, you know, and in a year or two years or five years when we do this thing and people get to go back and listen to this as part of the story, it's a pretty, that's a pretty exciting part. But what if that other side of the story is like, man, we thought we were going to get those, but some of the the first businesses we bought were really hard to manage. I guess you don't want to buy bad assets. So I had this old like class D apartment complex that took me so much effort to manage it. I ended up having to sell it because like a quarter of the residents were just horrible, just horrible people, meth labs and drug busts and things like that. So you don't. And I think that's where property managers like can do bad essentially. So when you're looking at the assets, you're probably making sure somebody actually does like, what kind of house is it? What kind of people are they? Because if it's really, we don't want to be, for if we have five employees and we and we snap on an extra hundred houses, we don't want them to be problem houses. Yep. We want them to be ones that are going to run pretty efficiently, and we can take those on without much extra effort. Um, and so it's buying good assets along the way, and then really probably sticking by our parameters. When you're in the middle of a bid, it's really easy to go. Let's just offer a hundred grand more than we were yep. going to because I'm excited. So like, and I'm a deal junkie. I love doing deals. I love doing deals so much. I do bad deals sometimes. Like, and so trying to make sure that we hold each other accountable with that. I think that's the other. Yeah. But I think what goes wrong is you've got bad assets and you're overextended. You put too much cash in without realizing what our true expenses are. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. Some of the ones that like make it really easy for me is like no unprofitable businesses. Once we've closed the deal, like I don't like, I don't mind investing cash up front, but I want to walk away cash flowing. So I think yep. about that. Now, if it aggregates in, that's good to go. But because sometimes I get, I can get talked into like, no, but if we do this and we do this, it's like, no, 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 whatever the asset is now, it needs to be profitable in our ecosystem in order for it to work. Otherwise we should walk uh, or buy it at a pri- price where it becomes profitable for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't so- turn it profitable, buy it profitable and, and, and bring it in and the. Yes. So I think if we do that, if we don't spend more cash, outlay than we want to. The reason I like that one is it'll make us, when you have those parameters, it makes you get creative with deals, which is just more fun. Um, and I think it's more fun for people to follow along. If we go buy a bunch of businesses for millions of dollars, it's not that repeatable. Um, but part of the goal, I mean, you and I, I always want more money. I think it's a fun game. But yeah. I think part of the goal for this for me is to show people you can do it without a crazy cash outlay. So I think that's a really good second one to have. Then the third one, I think what you just talked about is just like time. Like how much time do we need to put into this? Like for me, one of the worst outcomes would be we get a bad operator. And our bad operator means you and I are fucking taking plumbing calls. No world, right? Yeah. And so how do we make sure that our time is really protected in this deal and only operate from a place where we really ensure that we're not involved in the day-to-day. And I think if we do those three things well, the upside is there, but that downside needs to be protected from. I love those three things. Well, and tomorrow we dig into some of that first hiring and how yeah. the, the first person you hire. You know, this has been this has been a fun conversation. You know, and for you guys out there listening, hopefully, hopefully one, we inspired you a little bit to maybe look in your area to go like, could I, like, is there a business out there that you could buy that you could add on during this recessionary time that doesn't cost you money to get creative? You know, go into CodyLovesPropertyManagement.com if you like this stuff. Also, though, like Cody Sanchez on Instagram, like find her on there. Go look at some of the other stuff that she's doing. Her YouTube page is just giant now. Everything everything is blowing up uh, that you're creating, and it really is all these extra opportunities for these real estate agents. So I hope that people get inspired to follow along and watch this. 
because yes, we want to show people, we actually were like, let's do this all real time. Let's share it as we're doing it. Let's share our ideas. So not only can we try to build this crazy business, but then everybody gets to see us do it along the way and show that you guys could do it too. Anybody else could do it too. Cody, any final thoughts, any other ways people should be looking out or, or uh, looking for things other than staying tuned to what we put next with us? No, I think it was awesome. Yeah, I did. I read a cool stat today, actually. It surprised me that our YouTube channel, we did a survey. They're av- it's 20 to 35-year-olds, which is actually pretty old for YouTube. I always It's a lot of like 14 and 15-year-olds that are on there. Yeah. Uh, and the average income is $174,000 a year of our YouTube subscribers. So I was like, ah, more people should sign up for that because uh, that's a pretty good uh, median to be a part of. Dude, what it, yes, when it comes to people that are on YouTube, it's, the, it's, a, it's amazing what you're building on there. And then seeing those uh, customers that you have, yeah, a lot of it's it's a niche to be paying attention to. And now they're all they're all buying the business. And I got to meet a lot of them when you when you did your event in Austin. Oh yeah, was that was fun. fun. Well, I'm looking so. forward to yours, and uh, and I got to learn more about buying software companies. I don't know often enough. About yeah, that we'll yet. talk one more thing about at a time. That. We'll start with one questions. thing at a time. We're, we're gonna we're gonna knock this one out of the park first. In a couple months, we'll be ready for your next sixty day sprint of your software company said well cody sanchez the it's always fun chatting with you i think it was cool that we shared a normal conversation that we would have with with all the listeners thanks for coming on today thanks for having me real estate rock stars thanks for listening all right real estate rock stars this is aaron muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.